Chapter 5 of Discourses on the First Decade of Titus Livius, Book 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jennifer Painter. Discourses on the First Decade of Titus Livius, Book 2, by Niccolo Machiavelli. Translated by Ninian Hill Thompson. Chapter 5. That changes in sects and tongues, and the happening of floods and pestilences, obliterate the memory of the past. To those philosophers who will have it that the world has existed from all eternity, it were, I think, a good answer, that if what they say be true, we ought to have record of a longer period than five thousand years. Did it not appear that the memory of past times is blotted out by a variety of causes, some referable to men and some to heaven? Among the causes which have a human origin are the changes in sects and tongues, because when a new sect, that is to say a new religion, comes up, its first endeavour in order to give itself reputation, is to efface the old. And should it so happen that the founders of the new religion speak another tongue, this may readily be effected. This we know from observing the methods which Christianity has followed in dealing with the religion of the Gentiles, for we find that it has abolished all the rites and ordinances of that worship and obliterated every trace of the ancient belief. True, it has not succeeded in utterly blotting out our knowledge of things done by the famous men who held that belief, and this because the propagators of the new faith, retaining the Latin tongue, were constrained to use it in writing the new law. For could they have written this in a new tongue, we may infer, having regard to their other persecutions, that no record whatever would have survived to us of past events. For anyone who reads of the methods followed by St. Gregory and the other heads of the Christian religion will perceive with what animosity they pursued all ancient memorials, burning the works of poets and historians, breaking images, and destroying whatsoever else afforded any trace of antiquity. So that if to this persecution a new language had been joined, it must soon have been found that everything was forgotten. We may believe, therefore, that what Christianity has sought to effect against the sect of the Gentiles was actually effected by that sect against the religion which preceded theirs, and that, from the repeated changes of belief which have taken place in the course of five or six thousand years, the memory of what happened at a remote date has perished, or, if any trace of it remain, has come to be regarded as a fable to which no credit is due. Like the chronicle of Diodorus Siculus, which, professing to give an account of the events of forty or fifty thousand years, is held, and I believe justly, a lying tale. As for the causes of oblivion which we may refer to heaven, they are those which make havoc of the human race, and reduce the population of certain parts of the world to a very small number. This happens by plague, famine, or flood, 
of which three the last is the most hurtful, as well because it is the most universal, as because those saved are generally rude and ignorant mountaineers, who, possessing no knowledge of antiquity themselves, can impart none to those who come after them. Or, if among the survivors there chance to be one possessed of such knowledge, to give himself consequence and credit, he will conceal and pervert it to suit his private ends, so that to his posterity there will remain only so much as he may have been pleased to communicate, and no more. That these floods, plagues, and famines do in fact happen, I see no reason to doubt, both because we find all histories full of them, and recognise their effect in this oblivion of the past, and also because it is reasonable that such things should happen. For as when much superfluous matter has gathered in simple bodies, nature makes repeated efforts to remove and purge it away, thereby promoting the health of these bodies, so likewise as regards that composite body, the human race, when every province of the world so teems with inhabitants that they can neither subsist where they are, nor remove elsewhere, every region being equally crowded and overpeopled, and when human craft and wickedness have reached their highest pitch, it must needs come about that the world will purge herself in one or another of these three ways, to the end that men, becoming few and contrite, may amend their lives and live with more convenience. Etruria, then, as has been said above, was at one time powerful, abounding in piety and valour, practising her own customs, and speaking her own tongue. But all this was effaced by the power of Rome, so that, as I have observed already, nothing is left of her but the memory of a name. End of chapter 5